That's what I should uh, be I doing. I should be volunteering. I'm like, how'd you know that? You oh yeah. It. Well, you don't have to say anything about that. It's just we do. It's something we do. A few of us, all state people, do every Thanksgiving. Oh. Peel potatoes and stuff like that. I love it. But, I love it. Um, yeah. Okay. Hi, everyone. This is uh, All This and the Oscars, too. My name is Sasha Stone. I'm the founder uh, of AwardsDaily.com. I'm here with three of our editors, Ryan Adams, Clarence Moy, and Mark Johnson. Hi, guys. Hello. Hello. Happy Thanksgiving. Yeah, happy Thanksgiving to you. Happy Thanksgiving. Happy Thanksgiving to everybody who is listening. That's that's awesome. Um, I'm actually, I have, like, COVID at the moment. not tested positive but pretty sure i have it and so um i'm skipping thanksgiving with my family so i'll be here uh maybe watching movies or something and i also had to skip the governor's awards because of it you know you don't want to be around spreading covid on on these holidays and be a typhoid mary so out of an abundance of caution all right so we're gonna start we're gonna get into it quickly because um i think um you guys have have caught up with some movies so We'll talk movies. Yeah. Then we'll talk the best picture race because I think we're still in the wide open territory, and we can talk the various acting categories. And when we get to the acting, we can briefly discuss the the effects of the Spirit Awards and the gender neutral, and see how that might impact the race for best actor or best actress for that matter. Um. So okay. So let's do Fablemans. You guys saw Fablemans, Ryan? Have you seen it yet? That's the one I have not seen yet. No, oh, okay. not yet. I haven't don't have my screener. So, but you guys go ahead, please. Yeah. So, what'd you guys think? Well, it's funny. As, as soon as I was out of the screening on Monday, uh, Clarence texted me, and and basically we we have the exact same feeling about it. So, Clarence, do you want to uh, share what you you were saying, or do you want me to? How do you want to do that? Sure. You, you, um, you said it so, so well. You go ahead. <laughs> Well, it's 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 like the best that Spielberg has to offer. Some of those scenes are just so beautifully made. The editing is so crisp. There's a scene where a a particular revelation is made through the editing of a film, and you know, with the just the, like an old, it's like an old film school class that I took in college, where they would show this scene and they would say. You know, the the line of sight connects between two characters and then the the theme is reverted on the on the uh, piece of film that the main character played by Gabrielle um, LaBelle is uh, editing. And then there's another line of sight into a different character and he's connecting the pieces and it's all, you know, basically reinforced through the power of editing. And it's it's just brilliantly made. But it also has some of the worst instincts that I think I, I see in Spielberg's films. There's a sequence, and Mark and I talked about this and, and agree on this, there's a sequence that takes place in his high school years when he moves to California later in the film that I didn't think worked at all, and I'm really struggling to find a, a true point for it. And it brings up a lot of new things, but it does it in an inorganic way that I think kind of shoehorns a couple of themes into the end of the film that I don't necessarily think belonged with the power of the film in terms of the relationship to the, the family itself. So, uh, but I, 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 it's a, it's a film that I really admire and I, um, I, I do want to see it again. I don't, I'm not saying I need to see it again because I'm not clear on my opinion. I want to see it again. In fact, I just got two physical screeners for it in the mail today. Wow. You did. So I, I will haven't be got seeing one it yet. Thanksgiving. 
I need yeah. a Fableman Couldn't screener. Don't you have I? an extra one. You have an extra one for me. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Mail it out. <laughs> um, I mean, yeah. I think I know what you're talking about. And you know he has to have the anti-Semitism. That's why that's in there, to show what yes. it was like to grow up as a Jewish person in a very waspy area. So you know that that's what... I think the uh, the stuff with the bully was um, uh, one of the Easter eggs. And I could be totally wrong about this, but I think it's one of the Easter eggs that, that he puts throughout the movie to sort of show how certain really famous films of his uh, made it into, you know, that he, the origin stories for them, I, this could be totally made up in my head. Like, for instance, um, you see the boys on the bikes and you obviously know that's E.T. And, right. you know, all the stuff about divorces and fathers, that's all in there. But I think with that, it was, how, how did we get to Indiana Jones? You know, how did we get Indiana Jones? And that's it. You know, that's it. Making a hero out of a guy um, and learning how to tell that story um, on film and make people really. I mean, I could be way off, but that's sort of how I read it. Mm-hmm. That sounds good. Think, if it's I not the reason that it should be. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah, I think that's an absolute. You know, you can definitely draw parallels between that and, and Raiders or, or any of the Indiana Jones films. But, you know, that's, that was my feeling, too. Uh, what Clarence said was. You know, the high school era uh, of the film, while I get, you know, setting up the anti-Semitism angle of it, it just felt like maybe it could have been a shorter part of it. The film just really, and I think this is what Clarence, I think, said when we were texting, was the film just really does so much better when it focuses on him and his love for film and how he, you know, uh, found that passion. Like, my my favorite parts are when he's real young and he's messing around with the train set and just you know, do, making the movies in the backyard with the friends and that kind of that kind of stuff. Because um, you know, like a lot of us, probably that's stuff I did when I was a kid with my dad's big VHS camcorder thingy. <laughs> uh, you know, so you you can relate to it. You know, and 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 I don't know. I I, I did love a lot of the film, and my complaints are minor. Um, but yeah, I, I think parts of that high school sequence could have been maybe trimmed down a bit because it kind of feels like two movies right like yeah a little bit it's and then and his family his family life is is very complicated too like you're going through all these twists and turns and he wants to make sure everything's in there and um the mother has to her whole story has to be told the father's whole story has to be told the uncle or whatever's whole story has to be told and then how he became a filmmaker has to be told so then compiling this whole intricate this is the first girl I kissed. This is the high school bully. This is, you know, um, it did seem like an extra. I, I personally, just because I'm a girl, I guess, but I enjoyed that part because I liked the girl. I liked the romance. I liked the whole Christian yeah. thing. But a lot of the movie felt like she, she was funny. That, she yeah, was I liked funny. The scenes with the girlfriend and the Jesus stuff. It was, you know, especially liked, for a Jewish person, I can imagine. Yeah, exactly. I liked I liked that because I'm half Jewish, so I kind of yeah. grew up that way. Um, okay. And uh, I'm Jewish on my dad's side, so I'm not technically Jewish, but I was Jewish enough, you know, for the camps, for instance. But um, he, I liked that just because, like I say, I liked the romance and stuff in there. But um, I thought it was fun and funny to watch. But it does get a little bit convoluted towards when they're trying to, like, she likes him, she doesn't, she doesn't want to go with him, blah, blah, blah. So I could see where you guys are coming from with that. A lot of the movie felt to me like him saying, and then this happened, and then this happened, and then this happened in my life, and then this happened. And, like, I think that for some people, like, if they're especially, like, the, um, the certain film critics group that shall go nameless, 
um, that, that might not identify with it or like it. Um, I think it's yeah. to do with that. It's it's if they're not in, invested. Spiel, Steven Spielberg shaped almost most of my life, you know. So I, I have an extra interest in, and then this happened, and then this happened. Like I want to know. And so for really hardcore Spielberg fans, I think it's sort of heaven. Um, but I think for anybody who doesn't feel yeah. that way, they might have a harder time getting into it, you know. And I think that that's exactly why I'll get to my point here in a second. You're hearing a lot about Michelle Williams and deservedly. So you hear a lot about Paul Dano and even Judd Hirsch, who has, you know, unfortunately not enough time, I think in the film to really, mm-hmm. uh, I don't know. We'll see, but he's really good. Everybody's in it. Everybody gets really good. But I think what really makes this movie sort of magical is Gabriel LaBelle. I think he nailed so many of Spielberg's nuances, the little things you see, you know, I obviously didn't know Spielberg or see much of Spielberg when he was that age, but you've seen tons of interviews and, and things over the years and you see, I, I saw so much of Spielberg. I thought in, in, in Gabe, Gabriel or Gabriel, however you say his name, I think he's the standout. And honestly, um, you know, we're going to talk more about this in a second, but I've seen a lot of movies lately. Finally, I'm way behind. That's part of why I haven't done much with the, good as gold but i've finally seen enough where i can kind of start looking into that again mm-hmm. and i think i'm going to put him in, in my number five spot for best actor I, I if this movie ends up being their movie i could see him kind of getting maybe like that daniel kaluuya forget out type nomination where it's kind of like the surprise kind of fifth spot especially since that fifth spot's kind of weak right now bill bill nye i think is a lot is the popular choice for that fifth spot but i might go i might go with labelle um, I, uh, just to add to that, um, I found the most thrilling scenes in the movie involving him because I think Spielberg is at his mm-hmm. best when he's explaining his love for making movies. Like obviously the end yes. of the movie is the best yes. part of the whole movie is the very end, uh, which is just delightful, but him with the little <laughs> trucks and him making that world war two movie and all that stuff is mm-hmm. just, wow. You know, like yeah, come on, that's, that's, awesome. that's where he's yeah. at his best. He's, he's has a harder time, I think with the personal stuff. He's just not that guy. Like he spent his whole life yeah. as a film director watching other people. And that's where his gift lies. He's not a writer. He's not someone who spent like decades in analysis thinking about himself, you know? He just does. He gets behind yeah. a camera. He's like his dad in that way. You know, he's much more like his dad, I think, than his mom. And he was an engineer, but an artist at the same time. But I liked that conflict between those two, uh, science and art. Yeah. I thought that was yeah. neat. For sure. So um, You can see how he would have been formed through those, those two angles. Yeah, for sure. And then to have him embodied by the dad and by the mom. I was really moved by Paul Dano. I thought he was so good. Yeah. I, I hope he gets nominated. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, all right. So we did. Favorites. Not having seen it, oh, not God. having seen it, but still wanting to say something anyway, because, you know, that's how I am. It sounds like <laughs> that the, the scenes that affected you guys the most are scenes that are, to me, I would describe as like Fellini-esque because Fellini used to do that in his um, films that were autobiographical. Um, and he would just show the vignettes from his childhood or, or when he was a teenager, when he was younger and how those might have affected his attitude about movies as when he was old enough to make movies. And so that uh, there are different ways that directors and writers approach their autobiographical um, stories. But it does sound like to me that 
especially when you say that it's like, and then this happened, and then this, this happened. It's like a vignette sort of thing yes. that Selena used to do a lot in 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 Amicord and uh, and even in Eight and a Half also. It reminds yeah, me. Yeah. So it, that's all. Now that you mention it, that that it does feel more like that. Although it does have a linear plot, but it does feel similar mm -hmm. to that. Now that I think about it, yeah. Sorry, Mark. Go ahead. So I, was, I didn't like it. Oh, whoever. Sorry. Oh okay. no, I, I was. No, I was just agreeing with Ryan about eight and a half. And, and Emma too, especially, it sounds like, because that's more of a Fellini's childhood. Yeah, because, you know, we see a lot of these movies like Belfast and Babylon um, is one, too, sort of in its own way. But um, this about, you know, the, the, how much movies mean something in our lives. But, but this, like the Fellini movies, are more about the, the, the maker you know, the, the filmmaker and why he needed mm -hmm. to make movies. Yeah, yeah, right. As opposed to, um, and you know, Ryan, that's such a good observation because they're so, they're, they're just not that far apart, these two types of movies, because even though Fellini is more surreal, mm -hmm. there's still this idea of like mm -hmm. life is a circus and I was there just recording it all, you know? Right, um, yeah, good way so, to put it. I like yeah. that. All right, so Best Picture Race is wide open, I think, because... Yeah, Fableman's is everybody's number one spot, but um, people are wondering, you know, the front runner hardly ever wins. And so another movie would have to take it over so that it could be the underdog. Um, I feel like there's like right now there's three movies that could win before we've seen Avatar and four if you count Top Gun. Top Gun could theoretically yeah. win. It really could. Um, but I don't see how without a director or screenplay nomination. So I don't know if it's going to get those. But so we have Fablemans, we have Banshees, and we have everything everywhere all at once. Would you guys agree that those are the three? Yep. Yeah, I, I think those are definitely up there. Do, would you not include Women Talking? I haven't seen Women Talking yet. Would no, you not include that? We do have to include it. Yes. Sorry. I, okay. Um, I'll tell you, mm. Clarence. I think, I think I like the way you put that. We do. We have to include it. But I'm not. You know, I, I haven't. I haven't seen it yet, and so maybe I'll be blown away by it. But I'd be surprised if I am. It just doesn't seem like to me the type of movie that that would be able to compete on the level of the other three that you mentioned. Although one thing it has well, going go for it that those other three don't is a female director. Yep. And lately, that's been that's been quite a uh, advantage. Mm -hmm. I'll say. Oh, right. Yeah. It, it has been, but but by the same token, uh, they've already done that now twice, and so I think they, a lot of voters may feel like, okay, yeah. we've paid, we, we've 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 covered that, we've got that base cover, so now we can, you know, <laughs> sure. do the same way we did with Ali Berry for the next twenty five years, oh, and she gosh. could be the last one for a while. <laughs> oh, so depressing. But um, the yeah. the thing about women talking is they're too. First of all, I want to say this joke. All right, here's the thing about the. Then there's the, this is Clarence's thing, the standing ovation rule. Yeah. Like, what movie's going to get a standing ovation at SAG? <laughs> and is that going to be the movie uh. that wins? It's two years now. Well, uh, mm. Nomadland doesn't count because we didn't have a crowd. So we don't know if they would have stood up for that. Right. It also wasn't an ensemble movie. Uh -huh. We're going to see more than one standing ovation, I think. I think we'll, I think Fablemans and probably everything everywhere. You think Fablemans uh, will? I think. I think. I. I just yeah. think that uh, he's, he's he's he deserves it. He's he's beloved in Hollywood, and he's, right. he's given a lot of actors their their great some of their greatest moments. They, I mean, who wouldn't want to? Who who doesn't? 
who hasn't loved being in a in a Spielberg film and who wouldn't right. want to be in one. Yeah, good yeah. point. That's that's why I, that's why I've stuck with Fableman since you know April or whatever. I haven't really budged on that like a lot of folks. Um, because I think if there isn't like a movie and it doesn't seem like there is one this year that everybody's blown away by, then it might be like a, one of those career achievement things for for Spielberg. He's only had one Best Picture winner, if I'm not mistaken, right? Uh, Schindler's right. List. One yeah. Best and Picture. He's mm-hmm. won... Go ahead. Sorry, say again. No, no, you're no, right. He's and he's won two. So he's he and Ang Lee. Yeah, are the... two directors. Yeah, Ang Lee actually yeah. has two directing, but not Best Picture. No pictures. Yeah, that's crazy. Um, so yeah, I, I, I'm going to keep Fableman's at the top for now because of the concept of if nothing else, you know, if you're, you know, when I look at Banshees, I think that's going to be a little bit too divisive to win. I don't know that that's going to be uh, the type of movie for me. The humor is. I liked I liked it a lot, but I, I think I could see where people wouldn't. Everything, everywhere, all at once will have a lot of passionate support. I think a lot of people, including myself, love that movie. But again, a lot of people will probably think it's crazy. Um, so you know, like I I think the Fieldman's could be like the box you check off because you're thinking about Spielberg, and, and I think it helps a lot that he had West Side Story and got nominated for that last year, and it could be like writing off the uh, you know. Uh, momentum of that moment too i can see that but just to to kind of back up you know what what sasha mentioned about the thing that i keep talking about is you saw this with parasite you saw this with coda what is that movie that's going to come up where at the screen actors guild in the middle of their voting when everybody you know just just feels this energy in the room because Mm -hmm. they've done something important yes. by giving the cast you know the uh, saga ensemble award to to parasite to to coda what is that movie this year that they're gonna that they're gonna love and and get that just a swell of emotion and jump to their feet and i don't think it's fableman's i, I mean as, as much as i like the movie i just don't think there's any well, salient reason to award it anything right now i'll tell you one thing the one gift that lisa tayback used to have i don't know if she still she still sort of has this if she ever gets within shot of winning um is she knew how to make like for instance if your choice was between the big short and spotlight she knew how to make spotlight the important picture um, so that you forgot about the fact that the cast was entirely white. Whereas with uh, Big Short, the whole thing was it's a white cast of unlikable people. It wouldn't have won anyway. It's too divisive. But Spotlight had that extra important thing. See, the, the, the key to what's happening right now in our culture on the left is that it's driven by the need to make history, to fix the problems of the past, to even the score. So that's what this is about. The first predominantly deaf cast winning the first film you know in a foreign language winning these things made them feel good it made them feel worthy it made them feel like they did something with their vote so what's that movie well it's got to be women talking man that's the only one yeah that's that's exactly where i was thinking too no it's it's every it could also be everything everywhere all at once because yeah you have the Asian cast, you've got LGBT. Jamie, you know, recognizing Jamie Lee Curtis for 40 years of, of, uh, you know, work in this industry. You've got the LGBTQ presence. You've got, um, Kei Hei Kwan coming back after being, you know, basically relegated to the quote unquote short round role. 
um, you know, it, there's a narrative there. And certainly with women talking, yes, too. But there, there's a, I think, I would argue that there's a narrative on everything everywhere all at once. I think so, too. Mm -hmm. And that... the thing about Parasite and Coda, they were both, although they're not, uh, Parasite's certainly not, not uplifting, but it is energizing. Both of those movies, Coda and, and Parasite, or, or you feel very energized by the, by the experience of watching them. I'm not getting that feeling from women talking. Well, I, I, like I will say this about jazz, like your jazz. You see it. Well, they everybody in Telluride certainly was. I can tell you that they acted okay, that way. Yeah, yeah I'm talking out my ass because I haven't seen it. So, you know, I'm just having <laughs> I think you're working. No, there that. were yeah. there were quiet dissenters, yeah. you know, but there were quiet dissenters on Coda, too. You know, said, oh, it's just a right. TV movie. It's too slight to win. I, I held on and resisted that one up until the very end. I just forgot the psychology of the voter. And that's important. Mm -hmm. The thing about women talking, I can make a case for it winning. Uh, I think Sarah Polly has a really good shot of winning Best Director. They're going to think, what does Steven Spielberg need another Oscar for? Uh, a, or I could see them giving a standing ovation to Steven Spielberg at the DGA and giving it to him. And hats off to you, man. You're a genius, you know. Um, I could see that. Mm -hmm. Plus, the ending of that movie is so winning that the filmmakers, the directors might be into it. But But there's another part that might be like, I mean, another another woman director, third in a row. Okay, we get the message. No, but uh, but I don't I don't know that it'll go that way. But I could see it coming out of Telluride. That's why I had her in my number one spot because I felt like this was a Sarah Polly celebration more so even than it was about the movie. But about the movie, this is a Me Too era right now again, a resurgence because Harvey Weinstein's on trial, Paul Haggis is on trial. There's three Me Too movies in the race, potentially with She Said and with Tar, even though Tar takes sort of a different, more critical view of it. It's still considered a Me Too movie because it is about harassment, sexual harassment of some sort, although it is opaque and hard to understand. Exactly. We should talk about Tar. It's a little bit opaque and hard to understand exactly what happened with her and that assistant. I hear varying takes on that. I watched it again to see if I could figure it out, and he he leaves it opaque so you don't really know exactly what happened did she reject her advances and then was punished for it or was she a stalker obsessed with her you know um whatever it was i feel like her assistant and this other woman were sort of joined and texting each other uh to te to help take mm -hmm. her, take her down you know mm -hmm. um it's an interesting movie tar my favorite movie of the year so far like I, I have there's still several i need to see but as, as as of now it's not my number one movie of the year i like it in fact maybe in the, the past three years really seriously it's like one of the most mature oscar contenders and deep and profound oscar contenders i've seen in a long long time i love it um what did Crazy you what did you think it. of it about that part of it did you think she was a harasser or do you think she was blamed or maligned or I think that I don't need to know. I think that I think that the movie doesn't that keeps it vague because uh, it doesn't try to it, it doesn't want us to have easy answers about any of the questions that it raises. It, it wants us to think about and, can, and everyone can have their own opinion about whether about what they think happened. I don't think it wants us to it doesn't the movie doesn't want to tell us what to think about it. It wants us to come to our own conclusions. And and I like that. I like that. I really like that um, aspect of it. 
and it's the same way I even though it, I, it's it's a it's a movie that involves um cancel culture it's only as it's not about cult, cancel culture it's just a, it's just a plot device it's because it's something that exists in the world just like a lot of other things exist in the world that that pop up in movies but the movie's not necessarily about that the movie to me is about is the same thing that a movie is like uh uh, what to compare it to like uh well like magnificent ambersons or like uh um other movies where someone uh, there there or, or any movie that there's who breathe where someone is just so overconfident that they start being careless with the way that they mm. deal with other people around them and their casual cruelty eventually catches up with them and so they have a comeuppance and they're the people who have everything and that are reduced to nothing because of their own uh, recklessness and I love movies like that. Um, but see, I think that's what people think. Um, people think cancel culture is the people who are supportive of it. They think it's a comeuppance from people who are arrogant and abusing their power, and that they get a, they get held accountable. And that's what that is. So it's interesting because people on the other side of it mm -hmm. see the movie as critical of of that process. And, oh, I know. See, that's what I love. I've I've, I've read both. I've read people who. The, the scene where she's humiliating the, the young uh, fellow, the composer at the beginning of the, one of the early scenes where uh, in the classroom at Juilliard, she she he, he's so enthusiastic and so genuinely sincere about his what he what he how he feels about music and the music he loves. And she systematically just like uh, dismantles and humiliates him. And some people love that. But to me, I think it's shameful that she used her power that way. And um I, he's he, he's not the he's not the villain in that scene. She is, to me. But that I know I know that that other people don't feel the same way. But that's fine with me. Other people can feel a different way about the movie and about that scene, and it doesn't bother me how they feel about it because I know how it makes me feel. And I think it because I I I, I layer my own feelings all over the top of the movie like everyone else is going to do. So that's what art should do. You, everyone can look at a painting or, or a movie or a book and, and take their own messages away from it. It's kind instead of, of a, being a, having, a Instead of having test, a, a message yeah. drilled. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. Very much. It, you, you, you take from it, from whatever your own experiences um, overlay onto it. I'm repeating myself, but I, I, and I, I really like that it didn't try to drill any specific message into us and, and make us feel like that it's telling us what to think no it's so funny and, because and, and, you're and, and, right that people... another thing let I me mean, one more thing one more thing about the cancel culture thing they make an explicit point at the beginning of the movie when she's interviewing the guy from the when the guy from the uh, from the new yorker is interviewing her she mentions other people in the past other composers who've had who have fallen from grace and that happened before cancel culture it happens there's been the cancel culture is what we call it now, but the phenomenon of of ruining someone's life and career has always existed. Well, look it's, at it's, dangerous it's, it's liaisons. Amplified, it's amplified know? now because of social media, of course. Well, and I it's see a tool it. that is available to more people. It's different now, but though. Than, that, it's different now though, than that because in, I think in this case, and that's why I argue with people who say that it's it's a movie that criticizes cancel culture because I don't think it is. I think it's a hundred percent in support of cancel culture. Um, because people that love it, really love it, love it for that reason, I think. And, and people who see her as, as him as the villain, that young guy, I don't. I saw, I felt bad for him in that right. scene. But right. I think that... Don't, don't you? Maybe. Yeah, I don't think that that was her place to take him down. But a lot of people show that scene and talk about how great it is. And 
I don't really think it is. It's meant to be great. I think his side is the side you're talking about. I think that is the side he's taking. Then I think like a movie like Dangerous Liaisons shows how we take in a royal court or in a closed system, we can shame and purge people that uh, we don't like or that does something to offend us or whatever. That's always been the case with human beings. Cancel culture mm-hmm. is to me more about people choosing and cherry picking things someone might have said and deciding to be offended about it. And it didn't even mean that they did anything or something they did 40 years ago and purging oh, them for that oh, reason. Uh, yeah. Of course. Yes. Because the, the, the video, I'm apologies to anyone who hasn't seen the movie yet. I'm trying, I'll try to explain talk about this more without really spoiling anything but there's a viral video that comes up in the movie that is obviously assembled from two or three different cameras that were in the room at the time and they were assembled in or in in a in a misleading way to make her appear to be saying things that she didn't say right. and we are witness to that we know what she said and we know that she's that her words are being distorted and they're also we can see that there is being distorted um, in a in a conspiratorial sort of way because it takes more than one video angle there's cameras there's three different angles in that room that 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 viral video was shot from and if you go back and look at the beginning of the movie again and you and you look at that scene you can pinpoint where those perspectives are coming from there's one person on stage who's a who's who's in the member of the little little ensemble on stage and there's two people in the audience and it's amazing i mean it's not amazing but it's like i love it i love the fact that the two people in the audience who um, are most likely to have been filming it are placed sent in the very center of the frame that movie is impeccably shot and you don't notice it when you see it the first time but when you look at it a second time the people who are filming it are right in the middle of the frame they're spin they're right there's one person at the very top of the of the auditorium standing in the center and there's one person and all by himself in the middle of the audience and so those people are being centralized they're 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 being um sent centralized in some way but you don't know it until later until you think about it later and i'm getting off track here but another thing that that i liked about the the aspect of talking about how people can be uh canceled and their careers ruined she did that to people herself but she did it in an insidious way in an in the old-fashioned way of being machiavellian about it she ruined people's lives Mm -hmm. she she ruined several lives in the movie and she did it all by herself without cancel culture. So it's not as if she's um, blameless. No, that's why it's, of course, it's, we know she's not blameless. Exactly. That's why no, I don't think ahead. it's about cancel culture. It's more about the Me Too thing. Mm. and Because it, it is about holding mm. people accountable for the bad things that they do, you know, and that she deserved everything mm-hmm. she had coming yeah. to her. But you're right that it does. This is the last thing we'll say about it because we do have to move on. But um, but the oh, right. but you're right that it is so nuanced that there's so many different ways you can dive in and out of it in terms of like where she ends up and you know what the audiences look like and and you know there's there's just a lot of interesting little roads you can take. It's like a maze that movie. You know, um, mm-hmm. there are no easy answers to it really. I so I, I agree with you that I mean we could do a whole hour just talking about Tar. We should maybe sometime. Yeah. <laughs> but, well, yeah, um, let's do. Yeah, I, I didn't mean to like try. No, to, it's okay. You know, it's all right. Um, so now we got to. It's it's like. Yeah, go ahead. I was just going to say, well, we, we now we, we sort of dipped in and out of Best Picture. Basically, we're saying, and I guess I have to write this, is we have no idea what's going to win Best Picture. We have no idea if there's a coda lurking in the background, what narratives are going to rise up and capture people like that. And usually a movie will 
will come up because it's in response to a front runner being shoved down people's throats, like Power of the Dog was last year. Like, you have to vote for this. And same with Roma, the Green Book year, you have to vote for this. And if you don't, you know, and so voters tend to respond to that and rebel against it. So if they feel that way about Fablemans, they're going to pick something else. If they feel like that's the mm. front runner and that's the one you have to vote for, then they're going to opt out, you know. So we're just going to have to see how the that narrative, it's the same way every year. Every year, Lincoln was that movie and Argo was the underdog, Social Network, King's Speech. So um, let's move on to best actor. So Brendan Fraser didn't make the gender neutral list at the uh, Spirits. He's not going to be at the Golden Globes. Do you think that all of that helps him to, to like the Ben Affleck effect and makes people want to fight for him more to win and get his standing ovation uh, at the SAGs and then at the Oscars? Yeah. Or do you He's think... still eligible for Golden Globe, right? He just isn't going. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Right. Okay. Uh, yeah. I think, yeah, I, on an individual basis, there are going to be some voters who think that they're going to um, stand up for him in, in spite of the way he's been slided and the way that he feels like that he and, and, and not just feels like, but the way that he was abused. They'll be they'll be eager to stand up for him and su support him. And it sounds like from all reports that he absolutely um, deserves to be a front runner. And so I don't think that's going to, I find that, I find it hard to think that's going to fade very much just because he, he doesn't, he's, just because he's not going to be at the Spirit Awards. Yeah, but you'd think that, this is what I was talking mm -hmm. about with Clarence, you'd think that if he was the front runner, he would have been one of the two men allowed into the all women's gender neutral. Yeah, so can you explain that maybe first? Because that, all right, that part so still confuses the, me what they did. Just to drive me crazy personally. No, <laughs> they, um, right. they have gender neutral because what they're trying to do is, and this is across all industries in this country, but especially in show business, they're trying to be inclusive, right? So they don't want to make it gender binary because then what about non-binary people, which, you know, is a growing population? They don't want them to have to feel othered. If they're if they're a transgender female, they don't want them to have to be in the... F I mean, I, I thought that, that we already had this sort of settled, you know, because like um, Elliot Page is going to be in the best actor category and, you know, but not everything yeah. is... So like the teeny tiny percentage of people, the teeny tiny percentage of people that are non-binary, because of them, because those tiny little population will be offended, they have to completely upend the whole system and not have i don't want to go too much into this because i wrote about it on the site yeah. i said everything yeah. i wanted to say and i've also mm -hmm. talked about you know various things but but just the bottom line is that i think they were overcompensating for the fact that people were worried that there weren't going to be enough women that it was going to somehow discriminate against women which is usually the case um because most of the time best actor has the field you know they have all the best roles and um, so they, I think they overcompensated. They ended up with, instead of five, five, they ended up with eight women and two men. And both men are curiously from A24, which I found interesting. So out was Brendan Fraser, but so yes, okay, there's an A24 bias clearly at play, but still, if he's going to win the award, wouldn't he be one of the two that got in? The whale is A24. Oh, it is? Yeah. Oh, God. 
Okay, so, Ryan, sorry, go ahead. So that just makes it even worse. <laughs> okay, yeah, I, w- I was just going to say the Spirit Awards, they're so, they're, they're, their method of, of voting and nominations is really strange. And it's unlike anything else, so I think it's hard to apply them to what to expect other people, other groups will do. They're, they're, each category is nominated by a committee. Uh, and the, the, each committee is different for each category. There's a different category for each committee, and and there's only like six or seven or eight people in each committee. No, so I think it's smaller so than that, these, not... Ryan. It's smaller than that. It's like four people or five people. Oh, is it? Okay, yeah. yeah. So yeah, so there's four people deciding who these nominees are going to be. And so I don't know why they did what they did. I mean, I would have I would have thought that they would have, especially since they know they're going to be under the microscope this year for 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 going in this direction with with the decision they made that they might try to be conscious of that and make a, a more conscious decision to maybe at least have it five, four, six instead of eight, two, you know, but I don't know. So I don't understand why they did what they did. It's a, it's baffling. Really. Well, um, here's the, here's my question. Do you think that they're punishing Brendan Fraser for not, for wearing a fat suit and for not being a gay actor? Cause they picked Jeremy Pope, who I think is actually really gay, right? Playing a gay character. Mm. So could it be that they were being know. purists in that way? I'm not sure. I mean, because uh, unless unless they held it against um, Timothy and 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 Army Hammer for playing gay characters, which I don't think that. But that was before the great. That that was before the Great Awakening, though, in 2020, when everything Hammer came down. I'm not sure that the Great Awakening was in 2020. I think that I think that people have been saying for quite a while that. That they would, and I, and I've always had the impression that more instead of having, instead of objecting to the fact that, that gay actors should only play gay characters, I always, I, I got more the impression that they don't, that trans people don't really like the idea, of, 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 of straight male actors or, or straight female actors playing their opposite gender. That's true, I but thought, that was I before. Think that was more that. Yeah, that was before the Great Awakening. Mm-hmm. The Great Awakening, I think, okay. was when the hammer came down. BAFTA changed, uh, the Oscars, everything changed, right? And everybody freaked out, and there was kind of a, you know, an attempt to to fix the problem. And and that's why you have Julianne Moore out there saying she'd never play a gay character. And you know, you do have. I haven't heard it a lot with Brendan Fraser because he has such a solid fan base on film Twitter, uh, and they're a large portion of. Mm-hmm. LGBTQ. So, go ahead. I'm confused by that. So wait. So you're saying you're saying there's an issue with a straight actor playing a gay character. So by that logic, would people have a problem with a gay actor playing a straight character? No, never. Yeah. See, some people are saying that. Some people are saying so that. that but I, see, I, I I'm not really hearing anybody objecting very. I I don't know. I don't. I ha, I really. And I'm pretty. I I'm really online. I'm very much on Twitter, and I don't see anybody objecting to yeah. to straight actors playing gay characters. Yeah. I mean, it's that it's acting, right? So you play yeah. an astronaut. You play I, an astronaut. I just don't see an that. I don't see that. I mean, everybody loves Carol. Everybody, all the gay people I know love yeah. Carol. Okay. All the gay yeah. people I know Again, love that was Call Me By Your Name. And I don't see that there was yeah. any kind of change. That all right, all right, all right. Okay, look, I'm not, uh, let's not get into it. I don't want to <laughs> argue, but I just want to say I'm reading a headline right now. Bros Guy Branham also has a problem with Brendan Fraser playing the fat gay lead in The Whale. It's not everybody, but that objection yeah. is there. It's not like it's not there. Uh, where, where, where did that headline appear? Where is that from? Um, I, you could just type it into Google and you'll see articles. I think he was the only person that that caused 
some uh, but look i'm not saying that that's a unanimous sentiment but i am saying it's it's possible that with the tiny little yeah. group that picked um that picked that could have could have potentially thought that way i don't you know, I, I'm not saying, Ryan, that mm, it they is. Might. I, I can actually see people objecting more to the fat suit aspect of it more than they right. do to the, the straight gay aspect of it. Now, well, honestly, you know, you I, see, like, Julianne Moore saying she would never time. play another gay character again. And, you know, you do see that a lot, that they're looking for authenticity. And why isn't there? They're not as strident about it as they are in the transgender <laughs> community, but it but it does exist a little bit. I'm, I'm not saying that that's why. I mean, the alternative is they just mm. didn't think he was good enough. Okay. So I would prefer to go with the other myself. But... um because then it's not about his performance it's about now i haven't seen the whale i have to confess so uh maybe people who've seen it should talk about whether or not you think he's deserving clarence i know you've seen it he's not deserving <laughs> oh, God. i'm sorry <laughs> i really i really did i mean he's he's, oh, dear. he's fine but he's an actor i mean he has such rabid uh, supporters in the community and and that's fine I, I appreciate and applaud people if they love this film um i literally could not stand a second of this film he is fine in it but uh immediate front runner i think he, he get he gets dinged with that right he gets he, there's these ex expectations that yeah. are set when someone comes in and says this is the man. This Oscar is his. It is engraved in August or September, <laughs> right. whatever it was. That is his. Yeah. And and then when you see the movie, you're like, wait, what? And sometimes it works, right? Sometimes it's undeniable, like like Renee Zellweger for Judy, right? They they proclaim that in Toronto, and she marched straight up to, and took home that second Oscar. His performance is. People look at that and they put it under that heavy microscope. It is. It does not sustain that kind of pressure. He is fine in it, and he has very good moments, but it is a limited actor in a role that a stronger actor would have soared with. Oh, that God. is my opinion. Mm. I, have a, it, so. I have a sidebar mm. to add to this conversation because I just did a search on it, and I found, you know how Google Books will sometimes bring up interesting old books? I, I just found this thing, and now I'm starting to recognize the lore behind this because, listen to this. This is a book written in... 2010 i think um and it's with bill condon and it says brendan fraser a straight actor and acknowledged hunk who plays whales gardener in gods and monsters had previously appeared in the box office hit george of the jungle a tongue-in-cheek translation of tarzan that proved popular with gay men and that according hi tashi <laughs> and that according to condon <laughs> hey, hey. arrived as a kind of godsend ironically quote ironically right after we started shooting george of the jungle opened and the money uh people had and the money people had oh and the money people had their draw okay so that's bill condon talking about um gay men and and there's a quote in here that says i've had a crush on brendan fraser since george of the jungle so there is background to this uh to this this uh this actor in this in the gay community mm. you know that i didn't know about so uh i think far from being angry about it they'll be you know much more appreciative there's a whole big long passage in here about brendan fraser and gods and monsters so i thought that was interesting uh -huh. right yeah 
that's that sounds that sounds more in line to me than than other people. I know there's I know there are people online who are going to object to any kind of thing that they who people just love to be offended about anything. But I am personally finding very few people who are ever who ever bothered by straight actors playing gay characters. In fact, we kind of love it. We kind of love those movies. I mean, as far back as... I know, Ryan, but you're I old mean, gay. Forever. You're not new gay. New gay is I, That's not true. Yeah, I, yeah, I'm not, and I'm not even a very good gay. I'm a really <laughs> terrible gay. So, <laughs> so getting back to the question All right. though, of does this hurt him, it doesn't give him a platform to give a speech, right? I mean, so he's not going to be able to have like a PR moment. Um, yeah. He's not going to have a PR moment at the Globes. The critics, you know, the critics don't support the whale, right? It's 72% on Rotten Tomatoes and the Metacritic score is probably lower. I, I should look it up. Um, <clears throat> there, He's missing opportunities, right? And this is how you build a case. This is how you really follow through on that proclamation of you're the front runner. You've got to start winning things. You've got to start getting out there. And of course, he's got that, you know, all of those TikTok videos that are out there of him crying at different um, festivals throughout the fall. <laughs> and I don't mean that as a joke. I mean, he's he, he's just very well, emotional. He's very appreciative sure. of this moment. And it, it is touching. I mean, yeah. it, you know, that one in Venice where he kind of does the aw shucks kick um, when everybody applauds. I mean, it just melts your heart. Like, uh, you know, it's 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 just it's great to see that. And, and that may that may carry him forward much more so than the performance itself. But uh -huh. I think so too. Yeah, he's a charmer. He's absolute charmer. People do love him. I mean, apparently, and I know yeah. the gay people love him. All right, I'm gonna put yeah, in so, my pitch uh, but, for. Um, I think that Austin Butler is walking away with it, um, because you know Jacqueline yeah. from Rotten Tomatoes, she put out a thing and she said that uh, a tweet that said that the only movies that Oscar voters were talking about was uh, Elvis, Everything Everywhere All at Once, and I think Fablemans. I think those were the no, three. No, it was Top Gun. Uh -huh. I think. Was it Top Gun? Oh, okay, you're right. Yeah, yeah. Oh, Top I Gun. think it was Top Gun. All right, so. I think she like, did say Top Gun. I think yeah. if, if Austin Butler gets anywhere near, like, if Austin Butler gets in the Golden Globes and he wins that, and Elvis has a strong placement at the Globes and then hits the Producers Guild, I don't think it's getting in the DGA. Uh, I don't think it's getting in SAG. But uh, the text for sure... I think Austin Butler could carry it through as a bet. The whale's not getting in for best picture. So the only thing that's going to get carry it through, especially without a 24 and the spirits, they had an opportunity to really boost him here and they didn't. Um, so without that and, and having this golden globes issue, I'm not sure that that's going to carry all the way through. It might, it might, um, but I'm going to say that. All right. So let's move on to best actress. Um, we have just a toss up. Uh, one, more, one more thing about best actor while we're talking about who we think may be. Our, I, I, I got up early. I had to work today, but I got up at five o'clock this morning because I finally got the link to to living. And so I finally because I know we all we were said we were all wanted to watch oh, right, living before right. we did the podcast. And so I thought we might talk about speaking that. of so straight actors, <laughs> speaking of straight actors playing gay characters. <laughs> right. Um, Isn't he uh, gay or is he a gay actor, too? Is he gay? It's not a, I don't think it's a gay. He's not a gay. It's not a gay character. Oh, see, Clarence yes, told is. me he is a gay it, character. Oh, oh, in living. In yeah, living? there's a there's a very very very. It's a very British film, right? So it's all about. Oh Russia. yeah, okay. About, see, I don't. There's I, a very see, tiny line in the very beginning where it's a flashback to him being younger, and uh -huh. he's with another man, and the guy says, and I guess it's up to interpret. I, I saw that. Gay, I saw that, but I didn't. Need, I didn't. I, I, yeah. Wait, wait, wait. What did he say, so Clarence? Fast. What did he say? Yeah. What did he say? He's, he said, "Someone like you 
you need to be married and you will learn to like it. Something uh, along. I'm paraphrasing. I thought he said the kids will adjust to it. I thought he said the kids will adjust to it. I thought, see, what I thought that meant is that he, he, uh, the mother had died and that he needed to remarry. That's what I thought that it meant. I thought that it meant that they had lost their mother, that he had lost his wife, and so he was a single father, and that he needed to remarry, and that the kids would adjust to it. But I see, I, I could be completely wrong about that because I was watching a movie at five o'clock in the morning, which is not probably the best time. I wasn't really awake yet, and so you could be very, you could be right, but I just didn't, I didn't pick up on that at all. But it makes a lot of sense considering other things in the movie when other people thought that he may be having a dalliance that he that was just the furthest thing from his mind right is that what you think right yeah, yeah okay i mean that, it, it, gives, it gives the movie an entirely new perspective to me except for the fact that that we know that this is based on Kurosawa's um 1952 movie uh Ik Ikira Ik 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 Ikira Ikiru. Oh, yeah, Ikira. Ikira, I think it's how Yeah, Ikira. Yeah, Ikiru. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, that, um, and, that, and that character was not gay. And so unless they had decided to upend that, that, the original 1952 movie on which it is based and added a whole new thing to it, I don't, which I didn't sense that they were doing because the, otherwise the movies are so similar. I mean, almost there are parts of it that are almost scene by scene duplications only translated into uh london 1953 well anyway regardless he could definitely yeah, be at, the at fifth. Any, okay at any rate at any rate the movie absolutely shattered me it is one of the most emotionally effect uh, uh, um affecting movies i've seen in a long long time i was right i was ready to um just break down and cry a couple times during the movie even at times when i when it wasn't even particularly sad just because i knew where it was going because i knew how the original ended and so i i think anybody that has loved bill nye and thinks he's a legend and because of his um, long career that he's going to have that going for him as long as 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 well as the uh the British voters in the academy. Yeah, um, I think that's very fun. true about the British voters thing. My only problem with it is I thought it was not a big a part, as big a part as I thought it would have been. Like they cut the, well, I don't want to spoil it for people, but. No, no, it's, it's okay. Yeah, no, there's a, there's, he just sort of unexpectedly disappears at a, on a point in the movie when you're not expecting, but they do then have a lot of flashbacks. He does, he, but it's also, presence, I mean, yeah. just to argue a little bit against this, because I agree with you that okay, the British yeah. contingent could definitely, put, I mean, Mark Rylance won for Bridge of Spies. I mean, like anything can happen right, where yeah. the British voters are concerned. But, um, but that last... I thought that his performance, as much as I was moved by the character, I felt that the performance itself was a little one note, you know, just kind of not a lot of ups and downs, just sort of straight, yeah. you know, but good. Sorry about my dogs. Uh, oh, no, it's okay. No, and uh, I'm, uh, you know, the dogs are fine, but I mean, I, I can understand about the fact that it's one note because he, he does undergo a, tra a really big transformation, but it, it happens so early in the movie and it happens so fast that, that really the, he, the dominant, he's already, the, the, the character arc happens really early in the movie is what I'm trying to say, like within the first 10 or 15 minutes. And so you don't see the long progression, but I don't, I think it's, see, he's one of those actors to me 
we got like 20 or 30 or 40 muscles in our face and he uses every single one of his muscles when he his, his facial expressions there's so many emotions that pass over his his visage when when during a scene that is it just breaks my heart he's so good at what he does he's just brilliant mm-hmm. and his his little um shy smiles and his frowns and his and grimaces at different points. It's just incredible. I just love him to death. And this was, I thought, a perfect role for him. Yeah, and I think it's definitely so a thing where, you know, you kind of miss the Weinstein machine sometimes because you could see Weinstein mm. putting this thing in. It could get a Best Picture nomination, you know, for that. Mm-hmm. Um, we yeah, got to go. Yeah, yeah. We got to go in four minutes. So just really quickly, Best oh, Actress. Okay. Um it's Michelle Yeoh and Kate Blanchett, right? It's up to those two. And whichever one has the stronger best picture push, I think would, if, if everything everywhere wins best picture, it might not win best actress. And if, if it doesn't win best picture, then it will definitely win best actress because they're going to want to spread the wealth. So what do you guys think about best actress just really quickly before we hang up? Clarence, you want to go? Yeah. Michelle Yeoh. I think Yeo. it's Michelle Yeoh. Mark. Yeah, I wouldn't count Michelle Williams out either, but you know, right now I'd probably lean Michelle. Michelle, yeah, Ryan. Predict, predicting Michelle. I mean, predicting what will happen, but what I would hope and wish in my heart would happen is that it would be Kate Blanchett. Because you didn't really like everything that much, huh? I, I like it okay, and I, and I feel like that that the fact that I that I that I don't like it, that I'm I'm not wild about a movie that everyone else is so wild about. It, I find that a flaw in me, so I'm going to give it another chance. I want to watch it again until I see what everyone else is seeing. I think that it's bound to be brilliant. Or so many people who I respect would not be saying that it is. I just I may have just seen it at the wrong time. And I think that also affects my my feeling about about uh, living that I this move this morning when I saw it, because it just is a perfect time for me to be seeing a movie like this, because it's just dovetails so much with things that I'm going through in my life. And so I think those kinds of things have a really I think so too big, big impact on me. That's right. We can't we can't separate our own personal experiences from the movies that we see. They definitely influence how we watch movies, how we respond to them. And So um, I just want to take this time to wish you guys all a happy Thanksgiving. And to the listeners of this, I'm sorry that we're not more frequent with our podcast. We're, we're going to keep trying to commit to doing it more often, as, as, as often as we possibly can, maybe once a week as the season uh, commences. And wishing everybody who listens is listening to this a wonderful Thanksgiving. And thank you so much for the support and the comments, even though I do occasionally turn into a bitch in the comments. I do appreciate <laughs> everybody here. You got to forgive me. I'm an old lady and I'm people get grumpy as they get old. And that's just the way it is. So I'm sorry about that. And uh, <laughs> that is very true. <laughs> it's very true. You just get tired of it all, man. You just get tired yeah. of it all. <laughs> yeah, I hear you. Uh, and you, you lose this is your why patience. you're like Banshees of Inisherin so much. That's why you love that movie so much because it's one of the things we're talking about, where a movie just fits dovetails. No, with exactly. Your own that that movie is she me. Just wants to be alone. That movie is me. I'm every single character in that movie. I'm every single one of them. Right. And I know. I'm especially I finally the, saw it, and now I understand why you love it so much. I'm especially the Colin Farrell character at the end. I'm like me and my little animals and that's it, you know. Um so <laughs> Yes, right. And I yeah. yes, I love that movie more than anything. I didn't get a chance to talk about it much because I was hoping that the less I talk about it, the better it will do because people hate me so much yeah. that they're gonna mm. then hate the movie. <laughs> and I don't want that to happen. So I haven't been going over the moon about it. I've been very subdued, but 
Uh, anyway, so is that your favorite? Is that your favorite? Song? Oh, you're going to get oh, the screenplay. Bio... You're going to get the screenplay Oscar. You're this going to get getting the best screenplay. That is my favorite Oscar. by a long way. But Fablemans is up there too. It's, okay. it's really just those two okay. movies. That are... And Top Gun. I love Top Gun. It's really yeah. I love that movie Top Gun. Did you see that movie Top Gun? It's just fantastic. <laughs> you got the Tom Cruise. He's such a cutie pie. I just love that movie. Um, happy Thanksgiving, you guys, and thank you for being so me nice too. and patient with happy me. Happy Thanksgiving. And, uh, much love to all of you. Happy Thanksgiving. All right. Bye. Bye. Thanks everybody. Bye guys. Bye. Stay safe. Oh.